are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. I want to share something with you that if you will give me just a few extra moments, open up your heart. I want to share something with you that I believe that is God's plan for every single one of us in this building to be able to experience. I really believe this, that there is a plan that God has for every single person in this room to experience it. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 5. And I will just go on and tell you this at the very beginning, brothers and sisters. Uh, we, we are speaking about Ephesians in, in, on Wednesday nights. And we are in Ephesians 4. And my goal was to be in Ephesians 5 by the time we hit uh, uh, Valentine's Day. But we didn't make it. We're still talking about give no place to the devil. And let me tell you something, if you're struggling with stuff... And struggling with temptation, be here Wednesday night. We're going to be talking about give no place to the devil. And so make sure that you're here. You'll be blessed. But out of this, for those of you that have been in with us on Wednesday night dealing with the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 3, well, 1, 2, 3, and 4. Coming into 5. You begin to talk, there's a discussion about redemption. The theological concept of re- redemption And then the practical application of redemption. In other words, what happens whenever we come to an altar and how we live in a redeemed lifestyle from the altar. If your life does not line up with what you talk to Jesus about, then you're doing doing something wrong. Redemption is not about the moment of salvation But it also carries on through the way you act and the way you live from that point on. And in the middle of this discussion about the practical aspects of living redeemed, the Apostle Paul drops this marriage bomb right in the middle of all of that. And he begins talking about marriage. And I want to begin to share this with you and I want to just caution you that some of you may get very aggravated that I'm reading from this passage of Scripture. But please don't all start throwing hymnals at me or your Bible at me until we get through this. Amen? Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. One of the great Scriptures in all of the Bible. And all the husbands are not going to say a word because they know who they're sitting next to. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Listen to what he's Paul's great doctrinal statement about marriage. Wives, submit your... Lord, at first I heard somebody laugh, and immediately I thought, Lord, at first they finally found what I was about to read. Listen, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, is also Christ as the head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Verse 30. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, in the name of Jesus, in these next few moments, Lord, let me speak concisely, let me speak pointedly, and let me speak, Almighty God, as an oracle of God. I pray in the name of Jesus, every heart be open, every spirit be aware, and dear God, Lord, let our heart go after you, dear God, to desire the very best, dear God, in this area of our life. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. First of all, let me just share this with you very quickly. That the institution of marriage is so special that it is the only human institution that the Lord would ever compare His relationship to the church with. That's how special that relationship is. That relationship is so special that it's the only one like it. So when you start talking about marriage, it's something that is very special to the heart of God. It should be very, very special to ours as well. See, Jesus' relationship with the church is one that is based on true, genuine love. We spoke about it last week. That love that he has for us is based in action and not in rhetoric. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is what the word of God says and in verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world could be what? Saved. He is not somebody that just talks about it. He's somebody that does something about it. Okay? We talked about this last week, that Christ is the true, genuine example of love. According to Philippians, as we talked about last week, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it states that Jesus came from heaven and he came to earth as what? A servant. He came to serve us. We are the one that betrayed the Lord. We did not obey. Our ancestors did not obey the voice of the Lord and sin was passed down to us. We were the object and we were the person that betrayed the Lord. But the Lord did not come and says, y'all had better just come on to me. He said, no, I will go to you. See, brother and sister, that is the truest example of love. And that is this, I will pursue after you. Understand something, what we begin to find in this example of love. 
And that Jesus is constantly somebody that is constantly pursuing after them. And he says, I will not only come to you, but I will also do this. I will pay the price that you can be able to have a relationship with me. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, and this is the thing I find so amazing, is that Jesus came to earth knowing he was going to have to die, but he loved you enough that he still died. He loved you enough that he still came to earth and he still for 33 and a half years recognized he's going to have to do something that was going to hurt him and able to serve you. But yet he still served you. John chapter 15 and verse 13 is the true definition of what love is. Greater love has no one than this. Than they lay down his life for his friends. Brother and sister, no greater love. To sum up what the definition of love is. The truest definition really is found in this passage of scripture. And it begins with this right here. self Sacrifice. True love can be summed up in that word, self-sacrifice. It can be summed up into this, that I think of the other more than I do myself. When you apply that definition and that example of Christ to the institution of marriage... Marriage becomes something more than just an antiquated idea. But it is something that is soul-fulfilling and life-affirming. When you begin to apply that definition of of love being self-sacrificing, self-giving, and you apply that to marriage in the example of Christ, It begins a complete different kind of of idea of what marriage is. Somebody once, you know, I heard somebody say this a a couple days ago. They said, I'm for everybody. Anybody should be able to get married. They should be just as miserable as I am. And I thought, dear God in heaven, you make me want to go out and get remarried all over again. You know, just hearing you talk about marriage. Like, Lord, have mercy. Let me just share something with you. Marriage is not supposed to be an old ball and chain. Okay? Marriage is not supposed to be something where it is nothing more than just a sad, terrible joke of an institution. Marriage is not supposed to be something that is a fight all the time. Marriage is not supposed to be something where that you are constantly, it's like an endurance, a race of endurance. It's like me trying to run a marathon in less than 10 hours. The key word is run and try. It's impossible. It'd be torturous. Marriage is not designed to be that way. Why? Because in the very introduction of marriage, in the very uh, explaining of marriage, what does he, the Apostle Paul, begin to compare it to? Christ and the church. That love story that we talked about last week. Brother and sister, understand something this morning. Marriage is something when you get it right, it's powerful. It's self-fulfilling. 
It's, it, man, it's amazing what God can be able to do. It's life-affirming. But when it's wrong, oh, it's life-depleting. It's hard. God never intended it to be that way. And listen very carefully. As we begin to read this passage of Scripture in Ephesians 5, he begins to roll out of talking about marriage. And he begins to talk about these roles in marriage. And I may get myself in trouble as I begin to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. There's a couple of roles that we find in this passage of Scripture. One role is the wife, and the other is what? The husband. Okay? A guy and a girl. <clears throat> guy and a girl. Biblical marriage. Guy and a girl. A guy and a girl. Husband and wife. They come together. And they create something very, very special. But in that union, there are roles and responsibilities that have to be able to be played out. Now, before, you know, before I go too far into this, let me, just, let me just share this with you. Today, in our norms of society, this, a lot of people get upset at this passage of Scripture. I've had women that I've almost wanted to choke me out before I've finished preaching this or just talk about it. Uh, I, I've constantly, you constantly, in today's norms of society, we look at this thing and we're like going, no, no. But I just want to share something with you very, very carefully and understand something. Whenever Paul wrote this, it's a different time, okay? In this time, Paul wrote to the Ephesians when women were viewed as nothing more than just property. With no rights, look at your neighbor and say rights, to speak or to do anything. They became the property of their husbands. But as you begin to look at this passage of Scripture you begin to realize something. That he speaks to them not as pieces of property, but he begins to speak to them in the, in the, kind of in the, in the uh, lens of dealing with rights and responsibilities that both have as they come together in marriage. Each role has a responsibility, and each role has a right in the middle of it. Now you may say, but right, Tim, you know what, that's... That's, that's still so, that is so, that's so sexist. That's so terrible. But understand something, brother and sister, realize this. That in this context, in this time that Paul's writing, this is, okay, he's dealing with women as something more than just property. Because he's giving to them rights. He's giving to them responsibilities. Now you may look at it and like going, huh. That's something big for them. But when you get past the whole kind of what today's societal norms and you look at the very concept behind it, you find something powerful. I want you to do me a favor. There are responsibilities for the wife and there's responsibilities for the husbands. Wives, ladies, I want you to look and I want you to see what the role and what the responsibilities of or the responsibility, the things that the husband has to do in marriage. These past scriptures, just take a moment, scan down through there, and I want you quietly in your head say, this is the role of the husband. This is what he's supposed to do. Guys, I need you to do me a favor. 
I want you to look and I want you to see what the role and the responsibility of that wife to be able to do. Okay? I want you to look very, very quickly. Now let me ask you this. Guys, since we start off in verse 22 with this word, wives, let's talk about wives. So wives, so what, guys, the wife role in marriage is very simple. It really comes down to two things that the Lord says, this is what you need to do. Okay? It doesn't go down to your job description. It goes down to what, how you need to be able to play in that marriage, how you fit. What are those two things? I, listen very carefully what I say. And that is this. Guys, you look for the ladies part. Okay? So, guys, look for the ladies. So, guys, let me ask you this. Lady, what is the wife supposed to be able to do? Okay? That's one right there. Submit. Okay? The second is what? Respect. Right there. Verse 33. Respect. So now, guys, this is the thing. Whenever you're looking at for a wife, you need to recognize, you know what? Submit and respect. It's two things that the wife's supposed to do. Okay? Lord have mercy. I can already feel just the, just the, just, just, I can just feel it. I can feel the angst, okay? Just hold on before you start yelling or anything else and throwing something at me. Lord have mercy. Now, the second thing is this. Now, ladies, what, are, what is the job or the responsibility of the guy in marriage? I will give you this. It is one thing and one thing only. What is that? Do what, ladies? Love. Love. But, look at the concept, though. Look at, look at the remainder of the context of that. He says this. Husbands, I want you to love, what? Love your wife. But listen to how he puts it in context. And what is that? Verse 25, I think it was verse 25. That is this. Love your wife as what? As Christ loves the church. Oh my. Okay, so catch this. Two things. I need some help very, very quickly. I need some help. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? Come here, Megan. Come here. Hallelujah. Grab somebody as you come this way. Hallelujah. Grab somebody as you come this way. <laughs> Tony checking his watch and everything else. <laughs> This is too funny. She did win, you know, still waiting. So, hallelujah. Come here, Miss Megan. Now, this is what I need you to do. Come and stand on this side right here. Dr. Jonas, stand right here. Now, this is the deal. <laughs> he is so happy to be here right now. He is so happy to be here. Okay. So, this is the thing here. So, what we need is this. There are two things. Hold up two fingers. Okay, two things that the wife needs to be able to concentrate on. And how many things that the guy needs to concentrate on? One thing. One thing, the Lord even then knew this. We don't multitask very well. We, we need shorter lists, not longer lists. We need short lists. Short lists. So, this is where we're at. And the Lord says this. Husbands, I want you to love your wives. Christ loves the church. And then we need ladies to be able to submit and to be able to, uh, to respect. Now, immediately when we hear that word, submit... Ladies, you immediately are like going. Rawr, rawr. 
just feel it bowing up. You get that, uh, you know, that, that presence that's just rising. You're like going, it's like Spider-Man with his spidey sense. You know, you're just like, something bad is about to happen. <laughs> now, now listen, listen to this. Submit. This is what the definition is of submit. The definition is this. Submit is defined as to subdue or to put under. Subdue or to put under. Verse 22, throw that back up there. Let me share something with you. Husbands, listen very, very carefully. Those of you that are about to get married, listen very carefully. Let me give you a little bit of advice. Once you look at this passage of scripture, look at this at verse 22. Wives, comma, he's talking to wives. Submit to your own husbands. Your own husbands. Own, yeah. Not everybody else's, your own husbands. Now listen very carefully. That's very important in today's society, okay? Listen, very, very important. Listen very carefully. When he says this, he's not saying this. Husbands, you put down your wife. No, 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 no. He did not command you as a husband to subdue your wife. He never said, put your hands on your wife and make her do. He never said, do not get to a point where you berate your wife and talk down to her. He never said, oh, Jesus, I feel preach coming on. Y'all ain't going. He never, ever said that you submit your wife to you. Oh, no, 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 no. Just because your guy and she's a lady does not mean that you are superior any other way. Listen, no, 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 no. That you have to come to a place that you have to subdue somebody in your own house. Let me just share this with you. If your idea of subduing your wife or any, even have a close to idea of that, that is this. You don't live in reality, at least the reality that I live in. Hallelujah. Saying is this. God did not call you to battle in your own house. He called you not to subdue your wife. He called the lady to willfully come under and to be able to give herself to the husband. Oh, Lord Jesus. Come here, I need y'all to do me a favor real quick. Stand right up here in front. Just right here in front. And I need y'all to look at each other. Because we're about to make something right here. This is what I need you to do. Miss Megan, I need you to do this. Do this. Just do this. Okay? Do that. No, just kind of kind of like, like a circle. Okay? Just Yeah, just kind of like that. Now, this is what's going to happen. What we have now is, that is in verse 22, the lady, the Lord says, Submit to your husband for you to willfully give yourself to the husband. Now listen to what he then says in verse 25. Husbands, you love your wife. Now last week we talked about Jesus' love for the church and how he gave himself to the church. Died for the church. Now let me share something with you. The Lord isn't asking you to die for your wife, okay? Okay, he's not asking you to get married. You know, that's it, okay? That's, that's not it, okay? What he is asking you to do, and that is this, for you to come to a place that you put your wife before you. Amen. 
It's not my way or the highway. No, 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 no. For you, oh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It's okay to be able to do that with kids because it is your way or the highway. But your wife? No, 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 no. Brother and sister, it is this. I'm giving to you because I love you. This is what I need you to do. I need you to just stretch your hand this way, almost like a circle, and just point back down to her, and she points back up. Now listen what begins to happen. <laughs> it's a new dance craze. We got going on. And now listen what begins to happen in this. Marriage becomes this cycle and this environment of giving. Okay? Because what begins to happen is, as you as the wife begins to willfully give herself to the husband, the Bible says this, no, husband, you don't take advantage of that. You don't sit there and order her around like she's a second-rate citizen and hold the Word of God over her and says, wife, submit yourself to the husband. Go get me a glass of tea. Yeah, you're right. You better not drink it. <laughs> better watch it. Now listen, understand something. Because why? Because this is what begins to happen. As I give, as the wife begins to give as unto the husband, willfully. The Lord says this, husband, now you give everything that you have. And you pour it into the wife. And what begins to happen is this. As she submits, he begins to give. And as she submits, she begins to give. And what is beginning to happen, it is an environment and a relationship where she don't really have to, she's not thinking about submission, he's not thinking about ruling, he's thinking about giving, and she's thinking about giving. And all of a sudden it becomes a cycle of me giving and me giving and me giving where I never have to ask for anything. Why? Because I'm constantly giving. Constantly giving. I don't have to demand anything. I don't have to demand it. I don't have to force my way. Why? Because whenever it's a biblical version of marriage, it is something where I give. Now, understand something. There are times where you've got to say, baby, now listen. No, 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 no. I love you as Christ loved the church. And no, I can't do. And there are sometimes that she says, listen, I want to be able to give. But listen, no, 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 no. There's something going on. You know, but understand something. Whenever we begin to give totally of who we are, our thoughts, our desires, Everything that we are begins this cycle of all of a sudden where there is a place of safety. There's a place of intimacy. I'm not talking about just sex. I'm talking about literally coming to a point where it's an intimacy of your, of your thoughts, of your emotions, where you can just pour out the very, just the entirety of who you are and you know they will accept you. Why? Because you have come to a place of such trust in that relationship, why? Because you have been a, established an environment of giving. Then he says this. Then as you, she gives and submits, and he gives his love, you know what then begins to happen? The second thing comes in, where the Lord just says, this is respect. Can I tell you something? It's easy to respect somebody that respects you. 
It's easy to respect somebody that respects you. Now understand something, brother and sister. Understand this here, we get all caught up in this cement. We get all caught up in respect. And we're like, oh, psh, 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 that's old antiquated idea. Can I tell you something? This, this concept of biblical marriage, of a giving one to another, I'm here to tell you something, brother and sister. It will change your life, your marriage, your relationship. It will change it. And it will be in a place where God can honor it and you'll be blessed by it. Come on, give it up for Dr. Jonah, Miss Megan. Thank you very, very much. And tonight, or this morning, what begins to happen is this. As you begin to come to that place of giving, you will begin to find that there's a safety that's found in that marriage. And all of a sudden, you can be able to go, you know, you can begin to have years begin to stack on top of years. When you begin to find out, there are some marriages, listen, that are nothing more than endurance tests. But God did not ever want it to be just something of endurance. There will always be seasons of endurance where you're like going, man, this is just, but inside that marriage, it should be trust, hope, strength that flows into that. That provides every need so that you don't have to worry about going to other places to be able to find it. See, because what begins to happen whenever you can't find what you need in a relationship, you know what begins to happen? You start going outside of that relationship. Mm, Jesus. You may say, Pastor Tim, but how can I be able to get there? I want to have that kind of relationship. And I wish I had another, I wish I had an hour to be able to talk about this, but I don't. But that is just a general kind of concept of what marriage, what God wants between a husband and a wife. That it's free-flowing, that it's constantly something that edifies, that lifts up, that builds up. It's not something where, let me just, oh, I ain't got time to talk about it. If every word that you say to your husband or to your wife is, is clothed in negativity, something's wrong with you. Something's wrong in the marriage. Yes, there will be seasons of negativity in your talk. Pick up those dirty clothes, my God. Listen, it does not, it should not be that way all the time. It should not be a, a reclassification of just your negativity on everything. It should be also seasons where you say, baby, you look good tonight. I'm lucky to be able to marry you. That's the best meal I've ever had. See, I'm blessed. You can look at me and tell my wife can cook. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was speaking about other people. No, usually. Usually I can honestly tell you this. 
if there's ever any time that's usually like that, it's usually because I've messed up Hamburger Helper. Hallelujah. <laughs> On my nights to cook. Because, yes, y'all can pray for them. Because, yes, I have nights to cook. By God in heaven. Y'all can just go on and pray for them. Hallelujah. Whenever it's my night to cook, the only thing that my girls know is this. And I ask them one question. What kind of hamburger helper do y'all want tonight? <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us all. Anyway, listen very carefully tonight or this morning. Because how do you get there? Okay, this is very basic. And it starts as basic as you can get. And it goes to something that you can be able to use once you're married. Very basic. But it applies across the place. Across the whole entire spectrum. One is this. Live right. Live right. Live right. You are only, the sum total is only, is made up of the individual parts. How can you be able to have a healthy marriage if you yourself is not healthy? How can you have a godly marriage whenever you yourself are not godly? How can you be able to have a positive marriage when you yourself are not positive? How can you be able to be in a position where you have a healthy, God-fearing marriage when you are not any of those things? You need to live right. Listen, let me just show all this talk about, yeah, I want my kids to grow up in church. I want my kids to grow up in this. I want my wife to know this and that. And I want us to have a happy marriage. Let me tell you something. Talk is cheap. Do something about it in Jesus' name. Talk is cheap. Don't just send your kids to, to church. Bring them to church in Jesus' name. Let me tell you something. Don't just sit there and just, and just tell your kids, oh, I love your mama, and then you talk like a dirty dog to her, and you treat her like garbage. Brother, understand something. Yes, they are never going to have a healthy respect for what being married is whenever you yourself do not act in such a way that they would ever want to be a part of it. Why do you think that we are in a place where, we, where marriages is decreasing left and right? Let me tell you something, brother and sister. I, I, I know I'm with myself in trouble, but listen. Marriage is something that you need to be in. You need to be in, brother and sister. You need to be able to understand this today. Because understand that for nothing, for no other reason than the Lord commands it. But also understand this. And that is this. You are the example that your kids watch. And if you want to have your kids disrespect marriage and not value it, then you yourself don't value it. If you're a guy and you don't want your and you want your son to grow up to be a man that knows how to treat a lady, then you treat your wife with respect in the name of Jesus. And I tell you something, I, I look at I look at my kids and there are times I shake my head and I go, my God. But I look at my girls and I want them to understand something. This is the way a guy treats his wife or they're, they're the person that they're interested in. By the way that I treat my wife and their mama. I want them to respect the institution of marriage. Live right. Let me just share something with you. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. I love this. is one of my favorite passages of scripture. When Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Realize this, 
the Lord, when you get married, he, he immediately, that's not the caveat that says, okay, stop following me. No, he says, come on and follow me. Continue to follow me. Don't just stop whenever you get married. Keep following the Lord. Keep following him. Let him continue to make things in your life. The second thing is this. Realize this, and let me just tag before I get to the second thing. Realize this. Your identity is not bound on the individual that you're marrying or you're dating. Your identity has to be anchored in the Lord. Why? Because, brother and sister, if you do not date right, second thing, it can mess you up. It can warp your identity of who you are. The greatest, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest dangers that you'll ever face, and that is when you don't know who you are, dating. Why? Because you will allow things that you probably should never allow because you yourself do not have a healthy respect for who you are. Let me share something with you. Don't know if you know this or not. You set the worth for what people will pay for you. Let me say that again to all you single folks out there and those that are looking for somebody today. Listen, somebody. Listen, I found this out as a, as, a, as a guy. When I date ladies, when I date a lady, and that's one of the things that you find out very, very quickly. Their level of self-respect gauged exactly the way that you treated them. That's how you can be able to be around people that, that you can date people that treat them like dogs and they keep coming back. Why? Because they set the price. Now, when I dated my wife, she made sure of this one thing. This is what I'm worth. Because I tried to pull some of the stuff that I'd done in other times, in other relationships. She was like, listen here, I don't know who you think you are, but this is what I'm worth. And I had a choice. Am I going to pay that price? Am I going to treat her in the standard that allows me to continue to date her? And maybe find out what is down the road. Or either am I going to say, uh-uh, baby, we're going somewhere else. And I've been married to that lady for going on 21 years. Why? Because when we first started dating, I looked at her and I realized something. I can't treat her like I've treated other people. I can't think of her as anything less and just use it as kind of like me dating as just something little, you know, whatever. I had to work at it. Listen, ladies, hear me. Listen, ladies. Your identity is fixed not by the guy that you date. It's fixed by the God that you serve. Thereby, thereby, value yourself. And if somebody does not want to meet the standard to date you, then tell them to pack up and go on down the road because God has somebody better for you. Date right. 
Mm, Jesus. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? He is speaking about dating. Listen, if you want to marry somebody that's just not, not what you ever thought you'd marry, can I share something with you? Then date wrong. Because what happens is, you marry who you date. Live right. Date right. Let me just share this with you. I'm trying my best to quit. Listen very carefully. Your, your identity must be tied in the Lord. Brother and sister, who, if your standard is lackadaisical in who you date, you won't begin to happen. Eventually, over time, you fall in love with them. They can be a punk. I know some of the sweetest young ladies that have dated and fallen in love with punks. And I sit there and go, they're punks. You know what they do? I love I love them. I love them. You just don't know I love them. Can I share this with you? The reason why that you're in the position that you're in because you never ever dated right. Don't be yoked with unbelievers. They want to date you. You should. You know, questions. Do you love Jesus? If they, if they ask, do you love Jesus? Then you look at them and go, what do you mean by that? If their only answer is, well, I go to church without talking about prayer or anything else, you immediately go, sorry, see you later. Because loving Jesus is more than saying that you love Jesus. Loving Jesus is following Jesus. Why? Because he tells us, if you keep my commandments, then you love me. Oh, I ain't got time to go there. Come on, somebody. Next thing is this. You marry right. Date right, marry right. And then guess what? You stay right. Putting a bow on it right here. See, Pastor Tim, I'm married. How do I get it there? How do I get it to that thing? Let me be honest with you. You know how you do it? Very, very simple. These are super simple. When you stop thinking about each other, when you stop talking about or stop, or stop talking to each other, when you stop spending quality time with each other, when you stop giving to each other, brother and sister, that there is a recipe for problems in your marriage. So if you want to have a good marriage, start talking to each other. Start spending time with each other. Start praying for each other. Start spending time with them. Start doing things with them. Begin to rebuild that which was lost by getting involved and not isolating them yourself. If you need to forgive, ask God to forgive you, then ask God to forgive you and move on. Ask your, ask your mate, forgive me. Forgive me. And move on. Let me share this with you. Forgiveness is not a bad word. 
If you think forgiveness is a bad word, you will be alone for long periods of your time. Why? Because nobody's going to want to stay with you. And if they do, you know what will happen? You will cause bitterness in the other person. You will cause hatred in the other person and anger in the other person. And then you're stuck with somebody that just hates the dog out of you. That's bitter. Fights. Why? Say you're sorry. If you fail, say you're sorry. Move on. Talk to each other. Father, in the name of Jesus. Dear God, I'm thankful for this body of believers here this morning. Lord, that has given me time way after I was supposed to stop to be able to talk to them for a few moments and to be able to come to a place, Lord, that I, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that I have, Lord, begin to inject, Lord, hope in their lives for marriage. Lord, if they're still looking, that, dear God, Lord, that, Lord, their idea of marriage, Lord, is one, Lord, that is crystallized in the Word of God. And in that crystallization of the Word of God, Lord, that they begin to pursue after it. That they will not be settled for or settle for anything less than what your best is. Dear God, Lord, those, Lord, that are, Lord, that are, they've got the ring and they're getting ready to get married and everything else. Dear God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you'll also place in their heart that they will not settle for anything less than God's best in their marriage. And dear God, Lord, that they once again make sure that you are number one in their lives and they are living right. And as they live right as individuals, Lord, that they begin to come together and put together examples and practices that allows them to be able to live for you long term. Pray in the name of Jesus for those, Lord, that are married. Or maybe they're going through some marital issues. Maybe there's some fighting in the house. Or maybe there's some discontentment. Maybe there's some bitterness there. Dear God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that they will recognize it. And they will begin to deal with it. One step at a time. They'll begin to deal with it. In the name of Jesus. They'll begin to put their mate first. And they'll begin the cycle of giving. I pray in the name of Jesus. Right now. Almighty God. I pray. This morning. For just this moment. I want us to do something very, very quickly. I just want to pray. With you as individuals this morning. If you're here this morning. You say, Pastor Tim. I'm married. And I've got, man, a wonderful person that's with me. We're bond together. Or maybe you have somebody that's, to be honest, they test you. (laughs) And guess what? God still puts you together. And you can be able to change that marriage. It can start with you. If that's you here this morning, you say, Pastor Tim, that's me. This is what I want you to do this morning. If you're married here, I want you to just stand to your feet this morning. I want to pray with you. If you're married, I want you to stand to your feet right now across this building. Whether your relationship is good or bad, whether it's looking better, getting better, moving forward, 
stuck in neutral, whichever that it may be, I just want you to stand your feet this morning. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to ask God to bless you. I want to ask God to just overshadow you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, dear God, Lord, you know what's going on in these marriages. Lord, you know, dear God, that some of them, Lord, they're actually in marriages, Lord, that are doing great, different stages. Maybe some are having problems, but I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we begin, Lord, to come to a place, Lord, that we begin to put our mate first. Dear God, let a newfound bonding of love be wrapped around their marriages. Be wrapped around, dear God, Lord, their relationships. Dear God, I pray in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that we will begin to put them first, I pray right now, dear God. And dear God, Lord, that you will begin, dear God, to tie them closer and closer together. And dear God, Lord, that we begin to talk to each other differently. And we begin, dear God, to begin to love each other differently. And we begin to put aside, Lord, mistakes and dear God and, and dear Lord and negativity and everything else. And that we move forward, dear God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, to be able to begin to build great marriages. Bless them, Lord. Watch over them, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let their homes be homes of peace. Lord, let their homes, Lord, be homes, Lord, of joy, of love. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, put your hands around. Just put your arms around the person next to you. They're with you. Just touch them real quick.